Live around the globe, it's time for Rudy Max's World on the SSI Radio Network. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the deserts, bear, man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I travel, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. Get on the phone now and call 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. Or email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. And now, the savvy traveler himself, Rudy Maxa. Welcome aboard. Well, it's National Get Outdoors Day, which means entry to all national parks is free today. So when the show is over... Get you and the family the nearest national park or at least outdoors. And remember, if you're an active-duty military personnel or dependent of one, then you have admission, free admission, to the country's national parks anytime, anywhere this year, at least for this year. Okay, we've got, as Ed Sullivan used to say, a really big shoe for you today. We'll begin by talking with one of our favorite commercial pilots, Patrick Smith. In light of that terrible crash outside Lagos, Nigeria, earlier this week, I wanted to ask Pat about the relative safety of airlines around the world. Then we're going to meet a man who hiked from the lowest point in America in Death Valley to the highest peak in the continental U.S., Mount Whitney. It took him 17 days, only 80 miles as the crows fly, as a crow flies, and he went from triple-digit heat to deep snow. Daniel Arnold is the author of the book, new book, Salt to Summit. He's going to be with us shortly. And a business professor tells us why airlines can't grow. He argues they either have to figure out how to get us to places faster or improve their service. Professor Severin Bornstein will be my guest. And will you someday be greeted at the airport by an avatar? Dr. Charles Wooters says that day has already come. You'll find his take on this fascinating. I've got some great deals of the week at the end of the hour, but first let's begin with some travel news that, well, began this week with a grim note. Shortly after I'd wrapped up last weekend's show came news of that horrific crash of a passenger plane in Nigeria killing all 153 people on board and others on the ground. The Dana Airlines, McDonnell Douglas 83, crashed into a suburban apartment complex near Lagos, Nigeria, while it was preparing to land after a short flight from another in-country airport. Reports indicate both engines had stopped working on the plane, though I don't know how reliable that report is, while it was approaching the airport, and the, but the crew had radioed to say they were having engine trouble. The weather was sunny and clear. Nigerian officials suspended the license of Dana Airlines in the wake of the crash. The flight recorder was found, which should be very help, helpful to investigators. Patrick Smith is an airline pilot. He's an author and he's a columnist. He lives near Boston. You know his website, askthepilot.com, or if you don't, you should. I'm not going to ask Patrick to explain what happened in this flight. We just don't have enough information. I'm sure he doesn't either. But I want to talk generally about the safety of airlines in different parts of the world. Patrick, welcome to Rudy Max's World. It's been a while since we've heard your voice. Hi, Rudy. Nice to be back. Nice to have you back. I know because just a couple weeks ago I reported on how how great North American major airline safety record records have been the last 10 years. I mean, it's very good news here, particularly in North America. But Africa seems to stand out as a problem for for air safety. What do you as a pilot hear about that generally? Well, it is a problem and it isn't. And I think it's important here to realize that there is a certain uh, mythology with respect to the safety of African carriers. And people should realize that the vast majority of what you would call mainstream African airlines um, South African Airways, uh, Royal Air Morocco, 
Ethiopian Airlines, which uh, I believe is the oldest airline in Africa and, and one of the proudest with an excellent safety record. Um, you know, these are carriers that can more or less stack up against the mainline uh, American, European, and Asian carriers. That, uh, there's well, that... a big difference when you jump from a top-tier carrier like, say, South African Airways to uh, this Dana Air, which I, I had never heard of prior to the accident. And then you get down into the third and fourth tier airlines, and these are the names that you tend to find on, for example, the EU airline blacklist. Uh, for the most part, these aren't really even airlines as we tend to think of them. They're uh, ad hoc carriers, chart carriers, in some cases even uh, you know gun runners and that kind of thing. Well, Patrick, I, 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 this week I got a couple emails from people saying, well, how do I know where it's safe to fly to? And I, uh, they said, how, could we, how do we know? And I said, well, there is no one website that you go to that tells you whether an airline's safe or not. You don't know from the you – you step foot on a U.S. airline whether it's going to be a safe flight or not. I mean, there's no way of knowing anything yeah. for sure in this world. But, but the FAA does grade civil aviation systems, not necessarily airlines, with a level one and a level two. And level ones are places where they have checked out how that nation uh, manages its civil aviation world and its airlines. And then there are there's level two, which they say they can't speak for, but there are some strange countries on there you wouldn't expect, like, oh, Belize and, and Israel, you know, which has a a fine history as a, as a as a as a country with commercial airlines, right? Which is why, Rudy, I tend to take those ratings uh, with a little bit of a grain of salt. Um, we do grade countries rather than specific airlines. I don't know, right. you know, if that's really the right way to do it. Um, Europeans do it differently, but really, when you're looking uh, globally. Um, I don't like it when people ask, you know, which is the safest airline? Uh, which are the safest airlines? Which area has the safest carriers? Because you, you really get into a kind of statistical hair splitting. Yes, you do. Um, it's an academic exercise. And in the end, what you're going to find out is that pretty much all of the major airlines around the world are safe. On some minute statistical level, it's probably fair to say that some are safer than others. I mean that any of them are unsafe. Right. And it's interesting. A couple of years ago, ICAO did an audit where they ranked, I think it was 100 or something countries on a whole big, long list of, of, of criteria from maintenance to air traffic control infrastructure and so on and so forth. And interestingly, it was South Korea that finished first on that list, ahead of the United States, ahead of any European country. And that was interesting because South Korea had been maligned all through the, uh, well, most of the early 1990s after a string of accidents. And they really got their act together. And, and in some respects, you could say that South Korea is the safest country in the world to fly. Um, but again, that doesn't mean that it's unsafe to fly in most other places, and that, that includes Africa. Right, right. Uh, let's spend, uh, we've got just about a, a minute left, um, or about a half a minute left. So, you know, maybe we should save this for another time. I want to talk about the European so-called blacklist of airlines, the European Union. Um, but I think that's a subject for another time. But I, I, you're, listen, I was once assigned by an editor 
uh, Patrick, to actually do a piece on the safest airlines in the world. And as you say, it was just impossible. I mean, there's so many criteria. Some of them are subjective. It's just difficult. So I'll uh, second your emotion that um, most airlines are safe to fly that you're going to find a commercial ticket for. And I appreciate your joining us. Anytime, Rudy. Thank you very much. Take care. Patrick Smith, you can read his blog at askthepilot.com. I'd recommend it. Stick around. We'll be right back. To participate in the program and speak with Rudy Maxa, call 800-387-8025 or email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. I'm happy to bring you the next chapter in a fun contest series sponsored by our friends at Travel Guard. It's one of thousands of true travel tales they receive every year. Diane and her friend were enjoying a summer cruise in the Mediterranean when her legs started to itch uncontrollably. She let it go, thinking it would get better. But when she noticed it getting inflamed and red, her mind went to her worst fear. For the rest of the story and a chance to win a Kindle, visit TravelGuard.com stories. Travel Guard is a worldwide leader in travel insurance and assistance. And now Geico presents 30 Seconds with Maxwell the Pig. Um, Maxwell, you're on. Cool. And so you just want me to read the script? You don't want me to do the Wii thing? Okay. Today, I'm going to talk about the new Geico mobile app and um, how you can manage your policy and get your ID card and customize it with your favorite Geico character. But I'm not yelling Wii or anything because um, they don't want me to, right? Correct. Okay. Just saying it's my thing. Everything you love about Geico, now mobile. Download the new Geico app today. According to Mind Prophecy, 2012 will be the last Father's Day ever because the world is actually ending in what looks like a fiery zombie alien apocalypse. <laughs> Heads up! So let's make this Father's Day ultra cool. Give Ice Blue Aqua Velva aftershave. Happy Father's Day, Dad! Whoa! Thanks, son. Refreshing. A Father's Day favorite for generations, Aqua Velva cools, firms, and tones. Look out! Aliens! Zombies! Stay cool, Dad! Aqua Velva. Men get it. Do you or someone you know have an overseas trip coming up? Perhaps a college student preparing to study abroad or someone planning a honeymoon or trip of a lifetime. Why not get a feel for the place by ordering one of my DVDs? From Paris to Hong Kong, Tokyo to Tuscany, I've made more than 80 shows on the world's great destinations. Knowing a bit about the history, culture, people, and cuisine of a city or region beforehand can enrich any trip. Just click on store at www.maxa.tv to sample my DVDs. That's maxa.tv, and check out the new Blu-rays as well. To join Rudy Maxa, call 800-387-8025. You can email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. Now back to Rudy Maxa's World. It's 18 minutes after the hour, and this segment of the show is brought to you by the good folks at On Call International. We all know that sometimes the unexpected happens while traveling, and if and when it does, you can protect yourself with a reasonably priced annual membership from On Call International. The company provides the best assistance you'll need during an unforeseen medical or travel emergency, even a situation such as social or political unrest. From unexpected illnesses to life-threatening accidents, delayed luggage or legal woes, On Call International gives you the help you'll need to return home or get back to enjoying your trip. You can find more information at On Call International or go to RudyMaxa.com on the homepage, scroll down and click on the link.
It doesn't naturally occur to most of us to build a trip around visiting the world's most polluted places, but that's just what journalist Andrew Blackwell did, and he's written a fascinating book about his travels. The book is called Visit Sunny Chernobyl, so that lets you know right away this isn't a book about Paris in the spring. Blackwell gives a cool-eyed look at, among other places, India's most polluted river, and that's saying a lot, the oil sands of northern Canada, and the oil refinery town of Port Arthur, Texas, and, of course, the nuclear wasteland called Chernobyl. The book is surprisingly upbeat. Blackwell is able to find beauty in even the most wretched Chinese town where the world's electronics go to die and be torn apart for valuable parts with little regard for toxins. It's a place where the modern world outsources its technological pollution. Believe me, this is a great read. It's called Visit Sunny Chernobyl. Check it out at visitsunnychernobyl.com. Fascinating new book out. Let me give you the title first. It's called Salt to Summit, and that title will make sense in a moment while I tell you about our guest, Daniel Arnold, the uh, writer who wrote it. First of all, let me welcome Daniel to the show. Janet, you're out in Yosemite hiking around, aren't you? I am, yeah. It's beautiful out here. I, uh, my wife and I went for about a 30-mile trail run this morning, and now I'm tired. I'm a little bit hoarse, and I'm sitting here talking to you and staring up at Yosemite Falls. So it's very Oh, funny. I envy you the view. I envy you the view. This, of course, isn't Daniel Arnold's first hike, because the book is about one hike he took from two very dramatic places, the first being the lowest place in the United States, which is Badwater Basin in Death Valley, to the top of Mount Whitney. Now, that's only about 80 miles as the crow flies, but it's, well, I think it was about 17 days, more than two weeks it took Daniel to walk that. You can drive it by road, but as he points out in his book, it's not a very interesting drive. Daniel, what prompted you to take this hike and, and later write a book about it? You know, I've just always been fascinated by that, that corner of the world. Um, you know, the, the mountains have always called to me, the desert has always called to me, and that's the intersection of mountain and desert, and so it's sort of, it's perfection as far as I'm concerned. Um, and as you said, you know, the, uh, the, the road will take you in between the two, but uh, roads go where the sort of path of least resistance is, and what I really wanted was an off-trail experience through the canyons over the desert peaks. So I, 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 I sort of had this mental rubric of following no roads and no trails and just went into the, the deepest parts of the desert wilderness I could find. And you started in April. What, what was it like when you began below sea level there in Death Valley? What, what was the climate like? Hot, hot, hot. Um, you know, it's, Death Valley in summer is, is, is otherworldly with the heat. Um, and even in late spring, like April, it is just beastly, beastly hot. It's quite an experience to just be um, in what is essentially an outdoor oven. Uh, you know, the winds come down off of Nevada, and as they come down, they just, they just spike the temperature like nothing else. It feels like, it feels like sort of hot breath moving all around you. And when you wound up at the top of Mount Whitney? Deep snow. And that was really <laughs> what I was looking for. Um, I wanted, I wanted the sort of extremes of the climate. So I didn't want it to be, you know, hot in the desert and then sort of just nice up on the mountain. I really wanted, um, both of those experiences. It's, it's like, uh, I felt like I wanted to try to sort of move through all four seasons in the two weeks that it took me to do the trip. I presume you knew that this was going to be the dramatic, uh, there was going to be this dramatic change in climax, and you were prepared for that. Yeah, yeah, and I, I you know, I, I wanted to be completely self-sufficient, and so um, everything that I used, I carried with me on my back as I went, but the one thing I did do is I passed through this little town of Lone Pine, uh, right before going on the mountain, and I mailed a box of all my snow climbing gear to the post office there, and then picked it up, 
repacked my pack and then went up to the mountain. Ah, very. We're talking, my guest is Daniel Arnold. He's the author of a new book published by CounterPoint. It's called Salt to Summit. And the New York Times, I've got to tell you, which called my attention to it, gave it a terrific review. Not only is uh, Daniel Arnold a accomplished hiker and climber, he's also a, a gorgeous writer, says the New York Times, no less. And, and I'm, I, this show is fascinated by people who take journeys. And Daniel took a 17-day journey uh, from the lowest point um, in, 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 on the, in the continental United States up to, excuse me, in the United States, up to uh, the highest point in the continental United States, Mount Whitney at 14,500 feet. Is that a difficult uh, climb, Daniel? Uh, it all depends on which way you go and what season you go. So um, Whitney has become sort of a pilgrimage for folks all around the world, and there is a trail that goes up to the top. Um, and so in, in the summer months, you'll just see a solid line of people going up this trail. And that's, it's, a, it's a wonderful experience for anyone to have, uh, but it's, it's, not, it's, a very, it's very different from sort of a, uh, a traditional wilderness experience. You go in uh, any of the non-summer months, and you know you can you can almost have it to yourself, and it's a very different kind of mountain. Once the snow covers up the trail, uh, once and covers up the entire mountain, it really feels like you've you've gone back several hundred years with no marks on the mountain. Did you have a GPS unit with you? I didn't. How did yeah, you I, know? How did you know where the trail was? Well, you know, it's funny with with, with the desert, and, and the thing is, I, I wasn't following any trails, so I didn't have to I didn't have to worry about that, and that's kind of the nice liberation from those sorts of devices. In the desert, you can kind of always see where you're going. You know, the sun sun sets in the west, the mountains are that way. I just traveled that direction, um, and I had a good map, um, and I spent a lot of time in Death Valley, so I, I knew I had a pretty good sense of where I was going. Uh, but I love that feeling of you know just just following where my my eyes and feet would take me. But could you do that on the on Mount Whitney as well? Sure, and and part you know Whitney I've actually climbed several times, partly for my my Sierra book, um, which is the book before this one, um, but also just for my own interest. So I I, I knew the mountain pretty well, uh, and that was certainly helpful in terms of going up there in the snow. And how long did the mountain take to scale and and then to uh, come down? Well, it depends on where you where you start the mountain. If you if you, if you think of the mountain as starting down on the Owens Valley floor, uh, ten thousand feet below, that took me what about three days to go up. Uh, and if you think of the mountain just as that final steep snowy section, that was more like a day and a half. Um, yeah, I, I was traveling slowly and traveling purposely slowly because uh, I feel like when I'm when I'm moving slower, I can just kind of. Uh, take in the landscape in a different way than when I'm trying to move fast. And also, once, once there's all that snow, it just becomes a very different experience. I mean, you're, really, you're really sort of tangling with the elements. Did you encounter others during that season? Yeah, you know, it was, it was funny. I, I thought I was going to have the mountain to myself, and you certainly can have the mountain to yourself. It turned out I, I showed up on a weekend, and there were quite a few other people uh, trying to climb. Um, Whitney has this, 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 this funny thing that happens to it where people um, want to climb it on a weekend because they're on a, a working day schedule, uh, and so they all come on a particular weekend, whether it's stormy or not. And as it turned out, there was a huge storm that Saturday when everyone showed up, and uh, uh, it, was, it was kind of chaotic up there because <laughs> everyone was trying to fight their way through the storm so they could get to the top and then try to get back down to their jobs, and I don't think very many of them 
made it because the weather was just so terrible. I was in a lucky position where I had the time and I could just take as much time as I wanted and ride out the storm and then go up once I had a weather window. Give, give us 20 seconds on the mountain lion whose tracks you were afraid uh, were following yours. Oh, I, I, uh, I was in a, um, a canyon on the, the western edge of Death Valley. Not a steep canyon, more of a ravine with a very sandy bottom and big sagebrush plants. And there were just these just massive mountain lion tracks that looked very, very fresh um, going right ahead of me through this draw. And you know, I had this feeling of, gosh, there could be a mountain lion on either side of me in this sagebrush, and I would never know it because those animals, they're magic. They can just disappear. And so it was really kind of a nervy thing. I mean, I'm not... I'm not by any means perfect mountain lion food, but much rather have a deer. But to just know that there's this enormous cat right there in the canyon somewhere, but not knowing where exactly it was, it was a very cool thing to see. Well, I'm glad you made it safely. In retrospect, would you have taken toilet paper? No. <laughs> Everyone asks me about that, but uh, I've come very accustomed to stones. Daniel Arnold is the author of a new book, published by CounterPoint. It's called Salt to Summit. Pick it up. Daniel, get back to enjoying Yosemite. Thanks for taking time out of your walking to talk to us. Thanks very much for having me. We'll be right back in Rudy Max's world after this. Rudy Max's world is coming right back. So get on the phone now at 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. You can also enjoy the program anytime at RudyMaxa.com. Hey, folks, how will you get home if a riot or natural disaster happens while traveling? If you're like me, you'll have membership with On Call International. On the phone is the company CEO, Mike Kelly. Mike, tell us about this coverage. On Call International's deluxe membership includes all the great benefits of our annual membership, but also covers emergency evacuation due to earthquakes, volcanoes, political riots, military coups, and more. Folks, save 30% off your membership today with the code RMAXA30 at OnCallInternational.com. And now Geico presents 30 Seconds with Maxwell the Pig. Um, Maxwell, you're on. Cool. And so you just want me to read the script? You don't want me to do the Wii thing? Okay. Today I'm going to talk about the new Geico mobile app and um, how you can manage your policy and get your ID card and customize it with your favorite Geico character. But I'm not yelling Wii or anything because um, they don't want me to, right? Correct. Okay, just saying it's my thing. Everything you love about Geico, now mobile. Download the new Geico app today. Participate in the program, call now at 800-387-8025 or log on to RudyMaxa.com. Here's Rudy Maxa. It's 33 minutes after the hour. Welcome back to America's most popular radio travel show. This segment is brought to you by our friends at Travel Guard. It's a chartist company and a worldwide leader in travel insurance. 
Travel Guard provides products and services to millions of travelers around the globe. The company helps leisure and business travelers alike solve problems and manage risks. And right now, if you go to travelguard.com forward slash stories, you can read a very short story, the newest in a series of true travel tales, and be eligible to win a new Kindle. Every year, Travel Guard receives thousands of stories from travelers about their experiences. And in this latest one, a woman with scary symptoms while on a trip to the Mediterranean finds herself fearing the worst. To find out the true story of what happened and a chance to win that Kindle, visit TravelGuard.com forward slash stories. We talked, oh, let me make a correction from my previous interview with uh, Daniel Arnold, author of Salt to Summit. I said he'd gotten a brilliant review in the New York Times. It's my mistake. That was a review in the Wall Street Journal that called my attention to his book. The Wall Street Journal, not the Times. We talk a lot about airlines on this show. We worry about their high fuel prices. We talk about whether they're in the black or in the red and how many people are flying. And then I read a piece this week in Bloomberg.com by Professor Severin Borenstein. He's the E.T. Grether Professor of Business Administration and Public Policy at the University of California at Berkeley. And he had written this piece for Bloomberg.com, and it took sort of a different look at airlines. In it, he pointed out the airlines are facing a long-term challenge because their traffic really isn't growing. Uh, Dr. Bornstein, thank you. Uh, welcome to the show. Nice to have you on. Thanks for having me on. I, you know, I just sort of thought airline passenger traffic just you know, it was something that was continuing to growing to grow. You say that if airline, uh, if infla inflation-adjusted fares hadn't dropped 17 percent between 2000 and 2010 we'd have a lot fewer people traveling than we do now on airplanes. That's right. In fact, we'd probably have fewer people than we did in 2000 flying around domestically in the United States. International travel has continued to grow, but the domestic travel has pretty much flattened out. And I don't think that's just a phenomenon of the last 10 years or of the problems in the economy or 9-11. I think there is sort of an upper ceiling that airlines are going to start hitting uh, if they don't do some serious innovation in the way they offer their product. Well, I don't want to steal your thunder and your points, but you, you say they've either got to figure out how to take less time to get us from point A to B or be less unpleasant. Are either of those possible, given the, the, given the American demand for cheap tickets, even while we whine about, you know, tight seats and no legroom? Well, it's not clear they are possible. Um, you know, the underlying constraint that we face as we get wealthier is time. And if they can't fly any faster, that means that we're going to have to, if we fly more, we're going to just have to spend more and more of our life on the plane. Uh, most people don't want to do that. So either they're going to have to figure out how to get us fa there faster, which we've made, pro we've made regress in that area in the last 20 years. It takes longer now to fly from Los Angeles to, uh, to New York because of all the security and so forth and delays. Um, or they have to make it a less unpleasant experience so that you feel like while you're on the plane, you're actually living your life. And we're seeing some of that, you know, some of the uh, in-flight entertainment and technology has made our flights more pleasant. But then, as everyone who flies knows, we've seen the opposite in terms of legroom, in terms of how many seats are filled and so forth. So that on net, I think people consider it as or more unpleasant to fly now than they considered it 20 years ago. I agree. On that second point, I think about all I could say is, as you say, uh, increased entertainment options and uh, Wi-Fi, which if you are happen to be working or watching, uh, you know, or, or being online, it certainly gives you the impression you might be traveling faster because you're not 
sitting around tapping your fingers on the trade table going, when are we going to get there? But getting there faster, I mean, again, all I, all I can think of is more efficient security and, you know, a better, we, we've been waiting for this next generation of air traffic control systems that will allow us to be more efficient in our planes landing on time or taking off on time, flying closer together, et cetera. Other than that, I mean, it's not as if we're going to put supersonic planes on New York to L.A. or, you know, Washington to Miami routes, are we? No, I think I actually think there's almost no opportunity for actually speeding up flight. We're running up against the sound barrier. And there is some chance that we could streamline security, make it more efficient, uh, and get people through the airport faster and possibly uh, reduce delays for planes in flight. But, you know, even in that best-case scenario, that gets us probably back to where we were 20 or 30 years ago. Uh, it doesn't get us ahead of it. And the fact is that if the airlines were actually going to see growth in demand, they're actually going to have to make their product some, something we want to spend more time doing um, or we want to consume more of. If they can't make it any faster, they're going to have to make it a product that we actually want to or don't mind as much using. And I don't see much sign of that. So I think actually the more likely prospect is the alternative, which is demand is going to pretty much flatten out in the U.S. and gradually in other developed countries. We're still going to see huge growth, as we are seeing in the developing world, uh, as they become wealthier. But in the wealthy areas, uh, we're, I think we're going to start seeing an upper uh, bound on how much people are really willing to how much of their life they're willing to spend on the plane. Severin Bornstein is uh, the E.T. Grether Professor of Business Administration and Public Policy. He teaches at the University of California in Berkeley. You can read his writings occasionally at Bloomberg.com. I just want to make one other point. You mentioned that you talked to a CEO of an airline who said, you know, they just hope to break even on service in the U.S. and regard it as a, a, a feeding into their international flights. Uh, uh, Dr. Bornstein, thank you for joining us. Call now to talk to Rudy Maxa at 800-387-8025. You can also email the show anytime at info at rudymaxa.com. According to Mind Prophecy, 2012 will be the last Father's Day ever because the world is actually ending in what looks like a fiery zombie alien apocalypse. <laughs> Heads up! So let's make this Father's Day ultra cool. Give Ice Blue Aqua Velva aftershave. Happy Father's Day, Dad! Whoa! Thanks, son. Refreshing. A Father's Day favorite for generations, Aqua Velva cools, firms, and tones. Look out! Aliens! Zombies! Stay cool, Dad! Aqua Velva. Men get it. And now, Geico presents 30 Seconds with Maxwell the Pig. Uh, hey, everyone. I'm Maxwell, and um, my life is kind of awesome because whenever Geico wants to talk about their new mobile app, they're like, um, hey, Maxwell, you feel like coming to the studio and, and talking about how the app lets you manage your policy, you know, and get roadside help and even customize it with your favorite Geico character? And I'm like, maybe. Are there going to be snacks? <laughs> Everything you love about Geico, now mobile. Download the new Geico app today. I'm a very bad man. I don't use a knife, a gun, or a crowbar. I don't even need to leave my computer, but I could steal your retirement, the equity in your home, even the money in your bank accounts. And you may not even know it till I'm long gone. Think you can stop me? Identity theft has become one of the biggest criminal activities in the world, and fighting it on your own is nearly impossible. You need LifeLock. The only company whose sole mission is protecting our members' identities. At LifeLock, we believe you have the right to live free from the fear of identity theft. 
so we offer the most comprehensive identity theft protection available. Try LifeLock service risk-free for 60 days. If you're not convinced, simply cancel within 60 days of enrollment for a full refund. This offer of 60 days risk-free is too important to pass up, so call now. 1-800-979-4633. Promo code ENROLL60. That's 1-800-979-4633. ENROLL60. See LifeLock.com for details. Does your furnace need repair, your house need cleaning, or maybe you're ready to update your kitchen or bath? Big or small, whatever your home improvement need, now it's easy to find the right home pro for your project. Take it from me, Rudy Maxa, and log on to homebuild411.servicemagic.com. Service Magic is a free online resource with instant access to top-rated remodelers, maids, handymen, painters, and many other contractors in your area. Just go to homebuild 411 servicemagic.com. Service Magic has a network of licensed and insured contractors in hundreds of home improvement categories. If you need a painter, electrician, plumber, architect, or any other home service, then you need to visit homebuild411.servicemagic.com today. It's easy, it's free, and it's a source to find neighbor-recommended contractors. Now you can hire a pre-screened home pro with confidence. Go to homebuild411.servicemagic.com. It's quick, it's free, and there's no obligation. Visit homebuild411.servicemagic.com servicemagic.com or rudymaxa.com and click on sponsors for more info. Got a question or comment? Need advice? Jump on board now by calling the show at 800-387-8025 or visit the show anytime at rudymaxa.com. Now back to Rudy Maxa's World. Have you ever been greeted by an avatar at an airport? Well, that day is coming soon, says Dr. Charles Wooters. He works with a company in the Pacific Northwest called Next IT, and he has uh, looked at the use of artificial intelligence and avatars in dealing with airline passengers. Dr. Wooters, welcome to the show. Nice to have you here. Thank you for having me. Let me ask you first. Let's let's set the scene here. How does artificial intelligence? Uh, intelligence impact passengers uh, right now, if in fact it does? Well, um, there's a couple of ways. So um, first of all, artificial intelligence is its a pretty broad term. Um, so it covers lots of things. So indirectly, it's affecting people by doing things like landing the plane and, and having the plane take off. So there's artificial intelligence technology in the cockpit. Um, but more directly, it's affecting people, passengers, uh, by allowing people to, for example, book flights on the web. So you can, for example, some of the products we build, you can go to uh, Alaska Airlines or Continental Airlines and have a conversation in English and uh, book a flight. All right, let's talk about avatars. That's stepping it up just a bit. And last uh, month there were news reports of an avatar who may go by the name Ava, they're still deciding it, who's made of a quarter-inch thick plexiglass, and she's going to be standing by to help passengers at New York City's three major airports. Uh, where, is, where, where is an avatar in an airport at on the scheme of things, technologically, technologically speaking? Yeah, that's a great question. That was that was a really interesting uh, bit of news. Um, so when you look at those kind of things, Ava, for example, the first thing that came to my mind when I saw that was the scene out of Star Wars when R2-D2 played the hologram of Princess Leia saying, help me, Obi-Wan, you're my only hope, right? <laughs> so there's this pre-recorded message that goes out, and you can watch it, but you can't really interact with it. You can't affect it. You know, it's, it's, it's not interactive. It's not personalized. Um, 
it's essentially these avatars uh, on this plexiglass. What they've got is sort of a new type of monitor, computer monitor. And 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 it's so all of Ava's messages. I think they're, she's going to be she the avatar is going to be deployed in July in these New York City airports. They're just going to be she's just going to be offering pre-recorded generic gate and baggage claim information. So you can't say, hey Ava, where's the flight that leaves at three from Denver? What gate is it at? Is that day coming soon? It is, yeah. You know, and I think even even the company that's working on Ava, you know, they uh, that's sort of the obvious next step, and. Um, so, you know, that technology exists in other platforms like the web, which is, you know, sort of the, the avatars that we have built have, have been deployed on the web. So uh, the next step is really kind of combining the, uh, the AVA platform in the airport with the kind of technology that already exists on other platforms. For example, Siri on the smartphone or some of our technology on the web could be integrated into AVA, and you could actually walk up and then have – a personalized, uh, interactive experience with a hologram. Well, you've written about the need for passengers or customers to, to trust, and I put that in quotes, this new technology, and say that this customer experience technology, again, that's your phrase, if mm -hmm. done right, is going to increase loyalty to a brand like an airline. How does that work? Yeah, that's. I, I think so. So, um, you know, this... Uh, all of this technology is sometimes perceived as a little bit uh, uh, creepy or spooky, right? So yes. <laughs> for people to really adopt this, they need to understand it. They need to see what's going on. So the fundamental component here is getting customers to trust in this technology. And I think that there are really two parts to that. First, we have to give people control over what's going on. Um, and in order to give them control, we need the second part, which is transparency. People need to be able to see how it is that this technology is making the decisions and, and, and exhibiting the behavior that it does. So, for example, if I say to, you know, in the, the future, Ava, uh, hey, I don't have a flight yet. Can you book me a round-trip ticket home? And Ava comes back and says, sure, you know, I recognize through my camera that you are Chuck Wooters and you live in such and such city and you like to fly on a, an aisle seat. Um, it may not tell me all that. It might just say, okay, I've booked your ticket. But we need, people need to be able to see how did it know all of that? Where did that come from? So exposing kind of the, the back end, the, the underlying uh, magic behind these things is going to be crucial for people to be able to trust it. Yeah. And if you don't have that kind of transparency, then people aren't going to uh, uh, believe what's going on. They're going to think it's a little bit spooky. Chuck, thank you. It's a brave new world. Chuck Wooters works with Next IT. Appreciate it very much. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. We'll be right back. Rudy Max's World phone lines are open now, so call us at 800-387-8025. We'll be back after these messages. segment of Rudy Max's World is brought to you by Service Magic. Now you can hire pre-screened home pros with confidence for repairs, remodeling, plumbing needs, maid services, and so much more. Visit www.homebuild411.servicemagic.com. That's homebuild411.servicemagic.com.
Back to Rudy Max's world where it's all travel all the time. Nice to have you here on this uh, summer weekend. Hope you and yours are enjoying yourselves. A Chinese newspaper offered some advice this week to citizens going abroad for the first time. You know, the ranks of Chinese tourists is growing fast, uh, or are growing fast, with an estimated 80 million Chinese planning trips out of their country this year. 80 million. Among the pointers offered by this paper for uh, Chinese folks leaving their country for the first time is to never walk under ladders. That's good advice for everybody. And avoid talking to strangers. The paper did not offer any reason for those two rules of thumb. I don't know if they're superstitious about walking under ladders like we are or not. Um, then there was a specific advice for particular countries like this. When in Britain, never cross your legs. I didn't know that. Don't open umbrellas indoors. Good advice anywhere. And don't joke, joke about the royal family. Okay especially not after the Diamond Jubilee week we've just uh, gone through. In France, the Chinese were advised, or when in France, the Chinese were advised not to push through crowds, but if you must, apologize beforehand. In Germany, visitors were advised never to mix beer and wine. I wouldn't mix it anywhere. Uh, not to overload buffet plates and not to use the same knife or fork for fish or meat. But my favorite suggestion is this one for Chinese visitors to Italy. Don't jump into fountains half naked and don't sit on sidewalks eating sandwiches. All right. All right, just one other thing. If you turn into The Bachelorette this Monday evening, you're going to see one of London's most revered hotels featured as the London home for Bachelorette Emily Maynard. Mayfair Hotel is located in the posh Mayfair neighborhood in London. It's just a stone's throw from Green Park and Piccadilly Square and Annabelle's, some of the city's best casinos and theaters. I like it because its bar has an enormous collection of champagnes by the Magnum. It's hard to beat that. This is, if you can believe it, the 15th season of The Bachelorette. The show airs Monday the 19th at 8 p.m. Eastern on ABC, and you can find details about the Mayfair Hotel online. Two words, Mayfair Hotel in London. But you'll see it, uh, again, featured on The Bachelorette this Monday night. All right, let's check a couple deals of the week here before we uh, say goodbye to you at the top of the hour temporarily. Sound effect is working and in good condition. The register is. Well, you know, one thing you know about the summer, if you're looking for deals, is go where it's really hot because that's where the deals are. So J.W. Marriott's, uh, a bunch of, seven of them actually, of J.W. Marriott's resorts, and that's actually the name. They're, you know, Marriott has got a whole, a whole line of different hotels. There's, uh, you know, there are Marriott Suites, there's Courtyard by Marriott, there's Marriott's themselves, and at the upper end is their J.W. Marriott Resort line. So these are fairly fancy hotels, uh, and the prices, though, don't really reflect what their normal prices are. Here's the deal. It's a limited time offer to save 15 to 25 percent at one of the seven participating resorts. I think they're about 10 totally. Uh, for travel now, or actually now, excuse me, not travel now, travel June 25th. Let me get it straight. These deals always come with so many dates. You can travel or take advantage of these deals from July 1st through September 25th, but you've got a book by June 25th, okay? So you've got uh, a couple of weeks to book, and you can stay July 1st through September 25th. Let me give you some examples. In Arizona, remember, hot. JW uh, Marriott's Desert Ridge Resort and Spa in Phoenix. Resorts start at 169 a night. At Scottsdale, at the Camel JW Marriott Camelback Inn Resort and Spa, start at 159 a night, and at the JW Marriott Star Pass Resort and Spa in Tucson, Rates start at $126 a night. Those are great prices for those resorts. In California, the Desert Springs, rates start at $118. The offer is valid only uh, Sunday through Thursday. Uh, the Ihilani Resort on Oahu, 
starts at $299 a night. So that's a discount, but still $300 a night. In Nevada, the JW Marriott Vegas Resort and Spa Summerlin's $103 a night. It's not on the Strip. Summerlin's about a 15-minute drive away from the Strip. And finally, in San Antonio, Texas, the JW Marriott San Antonio Hill Country Resort and Star, uh, Spa, excuse me, rates start at $261 a night. That offer, too, is only valid Sunday through Thursday. So if you want to go somewhere hot, play golf early in the morning or before sunset or around sunset. Uh, these deals at JW Marriott Resorts are good July 1 through September 25th. You can go to Marriott.com for details, but book by June 25th, and your rate code for this discount is D59. D59. You can also call those hotels directly, and they'll uh, and ask them for their D59 rates, and you'll get it. Um, meanwhile, you can do good while feeling good at the Montage Resorts. There are uh, a couple in the United States, two of them, Montage at Laguna Beach in California, Southern California, and the Montage at Deer Valley in uh, uh, Utah has got a deal through, sept well, one of them has a deal through June. That's the Montage at Laguna Beach. The Montage Deer Valley, this deal runs through September. You reserve what's called a Hearts of Montage package. You get free breakfast and free parking. And 10% uh, uh, of your room rate will go to any of 10 charities benefiting kids, cancer research, cleaning up the ocean, senior citizens, education, and so on. The promo code is HOM. But let me remind you, at the Montage Deer Valley, under a different promotion, you can get a nightly rate of $195 a night through December 8th. This is a place that during ski season is five to six, $700 a night. So two, less than 200 a night is a pretty good deal. It's good through December 8th. Use the promo code BB. That's the montage in Deer Valley. We'll be right back after some local news and some messages with a second hour of Rudy Max's World. Got a lot of stuff coming up you're not going to want to miss. Stick around. We'll be right back. Oh, in about six minutes. Time us. listening to Rudy Max's World and as always you're hearing must hear radio on the SSI radio network